the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me, Scott Furrow, your host of Southern California Live. I'm glad to be with you today as we are each and every day from 3 to 5 all throughout Southern California, 99.5 KKLA. Also on, on KPRZ in San Diego. Great to be with you wherever you are in the Southland of this, this great day. I want to do a little Ukraine update. We haven't talked about Ukraine for a while, and uh, there's been so many other things going on, but we need to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who are over there, who are suffering greatly. The tide has turned, and it does impact us. I think the, a lot of the conversation of how Ukraine impacts us is uh, gas prices and stuff. $8. $8 has been seen in Los Angeles. Did you see that on uh, Channel 11 Fox in Los Angeles? $8 a gallon at a Chevron station. Chevron was real quick to put out a statement saying, hey, our, uh, our stations are independent. They can charge what they, they want to. Um, and uh, I bring this up because I said a few months ago, we're going to see $8 gas. I'm not proclaiming victory yet. I'm not going to say that yet because it's only one place. It's not like the routine thing. And no, I didn't go to the $8 gas station with my family in the car so they can call me an idiot because uh, I did that recently. I bought like $6.74 gas. It was the highest in the in the country I paid for that accidentally. Uh, I did not go to that gas station. But um, $8, are you prepared for that? That has a lot to do with uh, – there. there is some gouging going on probably at that station. That was what the uh, Fox News report said. Uh, but there are lots of other conditions that are driving that up, including uh, California Air Resources Board costs, the different things that are associated with fuel distribution, local, state, and federal taxes, uh, lots of different things, but also the war and the cost of oil and those kinds of things, and it impacts us. But there are also greater things that we should be aware of. You can give me a call and join the conversation. 888-LA-TALKS is the number, 888 Triple eight five two eight two five five seven. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm wondering if, you know, what are your thoughts? Should How involved should the United States be in Ukraine? We're sending a bunch of money. Seems like every couple of days we're sending a bunch of more billions of dollars over there. Uh, we're sending more and more weapons over there. Uh, a lot of debate about the weapons going on. And, you know, there's a fine line. And this is an area where we need to pray for our, our leadership. Most people believe that the invasion of Ukraine by Russia is something that challenges uh, you know, the world order. It challenges, it will create a challenge for all the other bordering countries that are over there. New countries are ready to join NATO who never wanted to before. And here we are, what are we, three months in, about 90 days in, something like that. And uh, we are very much in and if you haven't been paying attention, and, and I haven't paid as much attention, it's not going that, that well. And this is what war is. The way that the Russians tend to do things historically is that it's not unusual that they get uh, wiped out for a while, but they just keep pressing in. And I don't know what it is about the culturally. You know, the Russians, I think they lost 20 million soldiers in World War II, 20 million, uh, a lot. And maybe they just weren't really all that good. 
you know, as far as uh, battle techniques, a lot of the things that we're seeing now, that was very similar, but they're tenacious and they keep going. So if you, an article in the Washington Post a couple of days ago was detailing this, and one of the soldiers said they're just raining down metal on us. And the ability of the Russian forces to just keep firing missiles and to keep dropping bombs and doing those kinds of things is significant. Um, one person is quoted as saying 70 people from my a Ukrainian soldier, 70 people from my battalion were injured in the last week, 70. Um, I've lost too many friends. It's hard for me. I don't know how many, and it's getting worse every day. Uh, it's all artillery bombing down, all the wounded coming from shrapnel. Most guys in the trenches haven't seen in the enemy face to face. It was a question at the beginning of this war is why are they digging a lot of trenches when there's so much that's going to be fought in the air, most likely in modern warfare, and that is beginning to play out. Um, If you read a lot of stuff that's coming out about the war, it's not looking good, and it affects us. It threatens Europe. It threatens the economy, and uh, it will certainly affect us economically, but I think it is changing where we might be as far as our our armed forces, how we are structured in the world. Remember, if you were around in the 1990s and the Soviet Union collapsed, we had what's called the peace dividend, and we started shutting down military bases and uh, moving things around differently. And what this might be doing, if if the Russians win, for whatever winning is, if they are able to capture a large part of Ukraine, it will change the face of our military. It will change the focus of where our attention is. And that affects a lot of you personally because you're in the armed services or you have family members who are. It affects us, affects our, our politics. It affects geopolitics. It affects a lot. If you keep reading this, the Ukrainians are getting more and more frustrated with Western countries. Um, and especially now that Western voices are floating the idea of of giving territory to Moscow. Lots of Western voices are saying, uh, maybe you need to just go ahead and give Putin some of your, your land that he's sitting on now. Maybe it's time to negotiate and do that. Uh, Russian troops have captured uh, different towns. I won't even begin to try to uh, to uh, pronounce them as I'm looking at them. I can't even start uh, some of these towns. But it's very significant in an area called uh, Donbas, which is uh, a very incredible, important region where uh, many of the resources, coal and wheat, many things are in this region of eastern Ukraine, and the Russians are taking it over. They are essentially winning that, and it will change the economy in all of Europe. It's significant, and the Russians have regrouped. The Russian troops are making incremental progress now instead of just being stopped like they were for quite a while, and they've stopped going into Kiev and, and some other places Um, but what it looks like they're doing is they're going to be very patient as they move to just take certain parts of the country that they're already sitting on. Um, And this is going to impact us. It continues to impact us. President Zelensky has been asking the United States to provide multiple launch rocket systems. You've probably heard about this. And uh, at first, the uh, United States said, nah, I don't think we're going to send those because we have a concern. It's a, and it's a legitimate concern. This is one of the reasons you need to pray for the president, one of the reasons that you need to pray for um, all of our leaders, is once this, the Russians, and they are already kind of saying it, they've threatened nuclear attack again against the United States just this week. 
They said they could wipe out the whole United States with four of their uh, aptly named Satan II missiles. Um, that's scary. You know, it's a scary comment out there. Um, but the White House has expressed concern that if we provide this kind of weaponry that has a range of shooting missiles uh, ground to ground for 180 miles, that it would allow Ukrainian forces to actually shoot them into Russia. And we don't want them to do that. So apparently we are going to send this weaponry over there with the agreement that you aren't to send any of these missiles into Russia. Um, and so that's going to happen. So the United States is sending billions of dollars to help the Ukrainians um, fend off the Russians and lots of military equipment. The Russians, of course, know this, um, but it's not getting better. And when you start to read the stories, uh, the people who are just getting uh, really hurt, they are raining down metal on us, the Washington Post reports, a 25-year-old with his head wrapped in a bandage puffed on a cigarette. You have this. I have this vision of that, right, a guy with his bandage on his head and blood there. If you just put it in black and white, it looks like World War II something that we haven't seen, uh, well, maybe since, uh, well, we actually we do see this in our, our wars now, but it's just maybe it's the association with uh, Europe in this way. This is Southern California Live. Our number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Christian organizations have been gathering in Poland just a couple of weeks ago to start to talk about the humanitarian crisis and what the church can do. Something that is happening is churches, Christians are coming together across denominations and coming together to say, how can we help? Uh, But it's pretty brutal because the Christians are getting bombed out also. There is, my friends, brothers and sisters in Christ who are are suffering tremendously over there. One woman, uh, Luda Ivanova, she's 70 years old, our She says they're shooting a lot. They're bombing a lot. Another 73-year-old who was missing the lower half of her right leg. She says now the war has gotten to us, and it's gotten a bit scary. You know, it's a big country, and so the war is raging in part of the country, but in other parts of the country you're not seeing anything. But a lot of those parts of the country now are being taken into, into the war. Top Ukrainian officials are frustrated with European officials and, um, French President Emmanuel Macron and the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, who are pushing peace talks and a plan to the United Nations that would free the front lines and trying to limit the loss of territory of Ukraine but secede cede some of that territory over to President Putin. Henry Kissinger, who I can't even believe is still alive. He's got to be 175 years old. He said that Ukraine should cede territory to Russia to end the war. I met Henry Kissinger one time. I got my picture taken with him, and I can't really show it because I'm wearing a stupid T-shirt. He's wearing a suit and tie, and it was in a fancy hotel. I snuck into a party, and, uh, you know, I was a a youngster back then, and I was wearing this stupid-looking T-shirt. But, hey, there he was, Henry Kissinger. And I said, nice to meet you, Mr. Kissinger. And he said, President, nice to meet you, Scott. Well, he's still around, and he's saying that they need to give up. They need to give up some land and try to negotiate. And this has infuriated lots of different people uh, in the Ukraine because they're saying, hey, President Zelensky said Kissinger, who was living in 1938, said, you know, attempts to appease Adolf Hitler before World War II didn't work. And he chided them. He said they are great geopoliticians trying to give away parts of Ukraine in a post uh, that he said on – he posted that on Instagram – And what he said I thought was interesting. He said they are unwilling to see the people who live there in those territories as real people, ordinary Ukrainians, millions 
of those who actually live in the territory they propose to exchange for the illusion of peace, Zelensky said. He said, you must always see people and remember that values are not just a word. I thought that was a pretty good statement. We must always see people. I mean, I think it's difficult. How would you negotiate this? Uh, how would you bring an end to hostilities? I think in, in a way you are seeing people. You're seeing people getting killed. You're seeing old ladies with uh, their legs blown off. You're seeing these terrible things happen. Um, how do you see people? But at the same time, the idea is that if the land is given to Russia, historically speaking, that means that the Russians will regroup and then take more later. And that's usually what happens when you give dictators and this kind of regime, uh, when you give them a cookie, they're going to want a glass of milk. They're going to always want a little bit extra. And we can't do that. My friends, we've got to pray for the believers who are there, who are gathering together to not just share the gospel, that's a big part of it, but they are there to really help people come about uh, and help people survive and see this is not just something that's far away and not just something that affects our gas prices, which it does, uh, and it's going to affect food. When they, you know, the Russians taking over this area, my understanding is that there won't be as much wheat that is able to be grown. Lots of different crops will not be able to be grown, and there's going to be more and more shortages throughout Europe, throughout much of the world, and it is going to affect us here. See, wars, this war is going to affect us in one way or another. And we need to do something. And I don't know, I think that a big part of what we need to do is continue to pray. If you've taken away your prayers, if you just haven't thought about it, because we've had so many terrible things going on here, now's the time to pray. Pray for the believers over there. Pray for the leaders over there. Continue to pray for our president and leaders, because the decisions they're making, it could drive us into a full-blown war. That could happen. And that would be really terrible. 888-528-2557. Do we see people? Are we good at seeing people? If you want to join the conversation, this is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. Do we see people in wars around the world? There are 40, 40 different wars happening around the world. Uh, One organization comes to that figure by saying, well, a war is any kind of battle that has killed at least 100 people. That's how they determine whether it's a war or just some kind of skirmish or something. That's 40. So we don't hear about it very often if it doesn't affect us economically. If it's not affecting oil, if it's not affecting, you know, the food supply, then then it might be some tribal thing going on in some other part of the world or some religious war somewhere. Um, We don't hear about it on our news because it's not affecting your gas price and it's not affecting. That doesn't mean it's less important. Um, it's, it's less important as far as the news is concerned, but it's, it is the state of the world today where we have this horrific notion that we can just kill each other. The lack of, the lack of understanding about life, the distance we are from God. And it brings me to another point. How well are we doing even in our country with evangelism? Does that word scare you? sharing your faith. And it, the reason it brings me to that is because our hope is in Christ. You know, we send missionaries around the world to bring the hope of Christ. Nations that have received Christ in big numbers, their wars, their wars stop or their wars, they, they, they don't have uh, as many wars as they used to. Did you know that? Like it is one of the greatest things that happens is when people really accept Christ, when different 
people groups that are at war, maybe have been in war for, for decades or centuries, when they receive Christ together, it stops. Relationships that we might have uh, are impacted because when we accept Christ, we, we're on the same team. We have the same purpose in life. It changes who we are. And this isn't the purpose necessarily of evangelism. The purpose is so that people will go to heaven and not go to hell. But there are studies that say that evangelism is no longer happening in large numbers in our churches, that we don't teach it, we don't, you know, we don't have a real good plan for it. 888-528-2557. What are your thoughts about this? Tom Rayner, who uh, has an organization called Church Answers, and he runs a few different organizations, he took a look at this and he said, um, it looks like evangelism is very unhealthy in the United States. That's what, so, that's what uh, studies are showing. And he took a look at different denominations and what they're showing as far as baptism and new converts. All right, so he looked at the Southern Baptist Convention. I know they got a lot of trouble right now. You might be aware of that, but they are also by far the biggest denomination. So it's a pretty good picture of how things are going just to take that group. Uh, in 1972, Southern Baptist churches had 445,000 baptisms. In 2001, that number was down to 395,000. 2019, right before COVID, it was 235,000. Now, the COVID year probably doesn't count 123,000. 2020, we aren't meeting in churches. A lot of baptisms weren't happening. Probably shouldn't count that. But 2021, there's still some shutdowns. But they only reported 154,000 baptisms. Uh, and that is the trend that you see in just about uh, every Christian movement, down 65%. Uh, that's pretty significant. Is that related just to the COVID? I don't think so. Are we afraid of sharing our faith? Are you afraid of sharing your faith? Is there a reason that have we given up on God when we see these wars in, in uh, uh, Ukraine, when we see the tragedy that's happening around the world, when we see the strange philosophies of our age, have we given up on telling people the good news? 888-528-2557. And we'll talk about what to do about it. You know, we, we need to do this. Caller in the last hour pointed out that it's not the job of the church as a corporation. It's all of our jobs to to share the gospel with people. The God has put people in our life to so that we can be representatives of Christ. And I think when we see all this violence, we see the the outrageous things that we're seeing, which are not new to human history. They're not new to American history, but they're kind of new to our generation. Is it all of this affecting the way we share the gospel? Have we just decided it's not worth it? Or are we in a place where we just don't know how? I mean, does your church train you in how to share the gospel? And in that training, is it effective? Like, are people actually doing it? That's a pretty significant question. I, I, most churches probably have some kind of evangelism plan. There's probably a class. There's at least a brochure. There's a book they hand out. There's something that says, here's how you share your faith. Is it effective? Are you doing it? What are some things that you can share with us about how to effectively share your faith? And by effectively, I mean that people listen and they come to Christ, and you've had that opportunity to share people Christ, to, to share uh, in somebody's coming to Christ. 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. 
and uh, we'll take your calls on that. Here's some of the uh, the things in the trend, and we'll talk about this when we get back from the break in just a minute. And what what do people blame? Uh, people sometimes will blame their their church or their denomination. Well, our denomination's not doing too well, or our church isn't doing too well, and that's why. Here's the thing I would I would suggest to you that all Christians, not our denominations or churches as organizations, but Christians are called to share the gospel. Jesus didn't say, uh, go ye denominations and uh, make disciples of all nations. He gave that command to us. How can we do better? 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. When we get back from the break, I'll take your calls on that subject of uh, sharing your faith. Does it scare you? Evangelism, do you think of it you know, as your job? What are some ways that, uh, what are some reasons you think that we're not doing as well that way and how can we do better? I think that we can help with that today. 888-528-2557 is the number. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. We'll be back in just a minute with the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you today. It's a fine Wednesday afternoon. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Alicia from Altaloma, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, good afternoon. Hi, Alicia. Hi. Um, in regards to you, what you were talking about, that are we really sharing our faith? And I'm seeing now with everything that started with uh, with the COVID, I think it's almost um, like uh, us as Christians, we're kind of realizing now that we should be doing that more than ever um, because of everything that's been happening, and we know why, but sometimes, you know, for myself, we can get so comfortable that we forget our purpose for being here. And so when you started talking about that, it just kind of confirmed the way I was feeling. I've been feeling about that because sometimes we can, um, as Christians, we can get so comfortable. And I like what you said about denominations, <laughs> uh, instead of coming together and, and helping each other, we just come against each other, and the world is looking at that. Mm. And I just think it's time for us to really start praying about the purpose why we're here and really start sharing, sharing the gospel. Do you think that Christians are prepared to share the gospel? Do you think that our churches are doing a good job at, at preparing people to do it? No, I really don't. You know why? I, this was my opinion. Like I, like I said earlier, um, it comes from the pulpit, and it depends what they're teaching. And spreading the gospel, I think a lot of Christians are, don't even know the Bible. <laughs> They don't spend enough time reading the Bible or not even wait to go to church. And so I've been a Christian for almost 20 years. And where I, where I became a Christian, the way we were taught is that we need to spread the gospel. But you know what? They took the time to train, 
teach mm. us what we need to do. And then that way we can love people that come from different lifestyles. And now we see what's happening. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people that we're going to feel uncomfortable being around, but are we ready? I'm glad you said that. I think uh, we're going to, we do need to learn how to be uncomfortable. Alicia, thank you for your call. I appreciate that. I think that might be a big piece of, of what the church really needs to do is we need to learn to be uncomfortable. I think that we, you know, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 25 years. I understand that, you know, people like to be comfortable and, Unfortunately, we're not really called to be comfortable. We're not at all called to be comfortable. It's uncomfortable in, you know, sometimes it's great sharing your faith because people just receive it. There's, there's a truth out there that most people want faith. They struggle with religion and they struggle with lots of the stuff that they see on the news. But most of the people that you know well will have a faith conversation. There's a, a study by Barna that came out uh, just two years ago now. Uh, and a lot of the studies and stuff are kind of old. It was hard to do during COVID. And now coming back out of COVID, it's interesting seeing maybe where people are. But here was here was something that jumped out at me. Most of the generations, when they were talking about sharing your faith, millennials, Gen X, boomers, elders, uh, greatest generation, some people would say that group is. Here's what the survey said. Um, part of my faith means being a witness about Jesus Christ. Almost everybody in every generation, equally across the board, felt that that is part of our faith. So there was a sense in this this uh, poll here that Christians do understand, actually, that part of our faith is to be a witness about Jesus Christ. It's 96% of millennials, 97 of Gen X, 95 of boomers, 95 of elders, and that's like almost everybody. That means that that Five percent of people just didn't understand the question. Uh, so that's almost everybody. If you can join this conversation, by the way, this is Southern California Live. If you would like to join our topic, 888-528-2557. What are some ways that you know that will help uh, in evangelism more or maybe in understanding or maybe you've got a concern about it? Because an interesting thing, let me show you this this subject, uh, this this poll here. When asked, uh, the best thing that could ever happen for someone is to come to know Jesus. 94% of millennials say yes, 97 Gen X, 97 boomers, 97 elders. Okay, almost everybody who is a believer thinks that that's the greatest thing that would ever happen. And uh, like I said, when the numbers are that high in the 90s, the, the people who said no, they probably just didn't hear the question. You know, How do you not believe that really if you are a Christian? When someone raises questions about their faith, I know how to respond. Now, this one I thought was interesting because I would not have guessed this. It says uh, 86% of millennials answered yes. I would know how to respond if somebody raises questions about faith. 90% of Gen X, 92% of boomers, and uh, what's interesting there is only 89% of elders. goes down a little bit, but that's still almost everybody, right? Uh, 10% are reporting in this poll. I, th- I would have thought that number is would have been less, but I'm glad. I'm glad that people feel like, yeah, I know how to share my faith, that there's some kind of confidence that's reported there. Do you know how to share your faith? Do you feel like you've been uh, trained uh, in doing this effectively? 888-528-2557. The next one was, I'm gifted at sharing my faith with other people. 73% of millennials said yes, they were the highest. 66% of Gen X, 59% of boomers 56% of uh, older generation. 
Uh, so a little more than half of most generations, but almost three quarters of millennials said, I'm gifted at sharing my faith. I don't know if that means they think they have a particular gift of evangelism or if it just means uh, I am good at it. Uh, not just do I know how, but I'm also good at it. But here's the one that is interesting. Is it wrong to share one's personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith? And this is where maybe it breaks down. 20% of the greatest generation elders say, yes, it's wrong to share your personal beliefs with somebody of a different faith in hopes that they would one day share the same faith. 19% of boomers think it's wrong. 27% of Gen X think it's wrong. 47% of millennials said that it's wrong to share one's personal beliefs with somebody of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith. I think maybe it's maybe how you hear the question, like maybe generationally we receive that question different. But I also think maybe that's, people are beginning to feel, maybe Christians, the reason that we we see fewer people coming to Christ. Now, there's a lot of people coming to Christ, okay? The number is growing, but it's it's not really pacing well with the increase in uh, population, all right? And it's a little bit confusing because when you get all these surveys and studies, one of the studies out there that is, you know, that keeps getting all highlighted is every year Pew Resources or one of these groups will come out, Gallup, with the number of Americans who consider themselves to be religious or Christian and that number is dropping rapidly. But what really is happening there is that number is people who used to say they were Christian, even though they are really not part of a church, they don't really believe. It's just there was a social pressure maybe to say I'm a believer. That pressure is being taken off. And so they're called the religious nuns, not N-U-N, like Catholic nuns, religious N-O-N-E, okay, none. They have no religious choice. They don't feel a People aren't feeling the pressure anymore to say that they are religious. It used to be you would always mark that down. People used to put, not too long ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago, people would actually put their church membership on their resumes. It was that important in the culture. Oh, if you're a church member, then you must have morals. You understand that you should be involved in the community. You care about people. That was an attractive thing. How many of you put your church membership in your resume? I don't think I've ever put it in my resume. I mean, I'm a pastor. I've, I've volunteered at churches. I think I've put those things in my resume all the time. But it never occurred to me that um, that would be, you know, something I would put in there that the a non non religious employer would find interesting. Uh, but it used to be that people think that. So I think this is interesting. Do you feel that it's wrong to share your personal beliefs with someone of a different faith in hopes that they will one day share the same faith? Um, if someone, and I think the answer is in the next one, if somebody is, if somebody disagrees with you, it means that they are judging you. And this is a huge difference in generational thinking. 11% of elder generation thinks that if somebody disagrees with you, it means that they're judging you. 9% of boomers, 22% of Gen X, 40% of millennials believe, according to this survey, that if somebody disagrees with you, it means that they are judging you. And I think that's tied into the idea that maybe it's wrong to share your personal beliefs with someone. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-528-2557. Gloria from West Covina. Welcome to Southern California Live. Hi. Hi, Gloria. How's it going? Hi, hello. How are you? I'm good. What are your thoughts about this? Well, 
I just wanted you to know that my church, uh, I fellowship in uh, Riverside, and our church, Wind of the Spirit, our pastor sends, um, we have an outreach uh, for the homeless, and so we go Saturdays to a park, we set up a tent, and uh, we bake or we make hot dogs, hamburgers, and we give them some chips and a drink. And a bunch of us get together, and we go out in twos to minister to different peoples. And uh, our focus is on the on the homeless or whomever the Lord puts in our heart, you know, who's uh, receptive. And um, we share the word, and we share Jesus, and we reach out to the homeless, and they come to our area, and we get to pray for them. We give them Bibles, uh, we give them, we feed them, and we we get to hear them ask for prayer. Uh-huh. Some of them already know the Lord, and they're just homeless, you know? Yeah. It's, it's sad, but... Now, Gloria, Gloria, let me ask you a question, and i got to go to a yeah. break here in just a minute, but let me ask you this question. Maybe this is kind of a hard question, so you, it's okay if you don't have an answer to it, Okay. I think what you're doing and going to uh, share the gospel with the homeless and feed them, it's great. I think Jesus would do that for sure. I think he would be hanging out with uh, people who are homeless and healing people and a lot of that and sharing his faith. Do you, do you feel like for yourself or people maybe in your church who go with you in these homeless things that they have as easy a time sharing their faith as they do with the homeless with people who are in their life, the people they work with, the people they go to school with, the people that are their friends? Is it the same Oh, no, it's the same. Um, we have Wednesday night service. Tonight we have a service, and it's open discussion, and we get to share where we're ministering and where we're being a light. Um, I don't think it's, you know, people are, the times are awful right now, and we are responsible to share our faith, whether we offend uh, we can do it gently and kindly and thoughtfully, mm-hmm. um, not to offend people, not to insult people, but you don't want them going to hell yeah. because that's what's really going. You either go to heaven or you go to hell. Right. All and right, Gloria, I gotta. To I have to take people. a break. i got to pause here for a break. I do appreciate your call. I was curious about that because I think it's one thing to go out to strangers who are receptive to your conversation, and I think it's good to do that. Don't get me wrong. It's good to do that. But a lot of discipleship, you know, it's not just evangelism. It's making disciples that we're actually called to do. That That requires relationship. That requires time spent with the same person. That requires vulnerability. How are we doing with that? Maybe that is a big part of why we're seeing a decline in uh, in the confidence that sharing our faith is even a good thing. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. we got to take a break. I'll get back with your calls and this subject. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you on this Wednesday. is the number if you want to join our conversation, 888-528-2557. We're talking about sharing our faith, and uh, we went through a poll in the last section that said that a growing number of people, generationally younger people, think that it might be wrong to uh, share your faith. 
Um, and there's probably a sense that maybe younger people have in the temperature of conversations and relationships that we have with each other. How are churches doing? How are we doing in not just sharing our faith, but in discipleship? Because that's actually what we're called to do. 888-528-2557. Kathleen from Westlake Village, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you today? Great. I'm great. Thank you for uh, taking my call. What a great question. But I think, um, you know, the Lord and His Word calls us to share the good news. And on based on the fact that we are concerned about people's eternity, and it's about obeying the Lord and what He says in His Word, uh, we're not called to be popular, we're called to be obedient, and the Holy Spirit will do with our, we can be winsome, we can, you know, be relationally loving, but if we're more concerned about our popularity or how we're coming across than obeying the Lord or the eternity of the person that we're talking to, um, that's something we need to give some real pause to thought because I really truly believe that it's about developing relationships and eventually mm-hmm. if the Lord opens up an opportunity, we need to be prepared to share the good news um, because it means an eternal difference to the person that we're talking to. Even if, even if we don't see the results, we leave the results to the Lord and the Holy Spirit and could be 20 more people behind us coming in to share their faith or their testimony. But it's about obeying God. Who are we afraid of? People? Or we have a healthy respect for what God is calling us to do mm-hmm. and who He says He is in His Word. Yeah. All right, Kathleen, thank you very much for your call. She's right. It's it's out of obedience. And I'm wondering, it when I read these stats and when I see, you know, the the number of people who just leave uh, the church. And we've seen this, it's accelerated significantly over in the United States. Now, the, the interesting thing is if you sort of look around, how is, how is Christianity doing in the world? It's growing in most places of the world very, very quickly, just not in the United States. What is it that our churches, where have we missed the boat? And is there this sense that if 40% of Millennials, if in this Barna study, is if it's correct that forty percent think that it is wrong to share your faith with somebody who has another faith, um, there is something that we're missing there, right? That there is, and I think that is probably the temperature of the the world we live in, where we're we are compartmentalizing different religions as if they are all the same, you know, putting them in little boxes, but they're all in the same drawer, and so therefore. That has been taught for a long time. The thing is, is that if they're all the same, if at the end of the day every religion leads you to the same place, that means they're all wrong. That means that nothing, there is no God ultimately, or we have no clue who He is. And this is something that's important that we realize about our Christian faith: is that it's distinctive from all the other beliefs. That we believe we're saved by faith, not by what we do. Every other philosophy and religion, and one way or another, teaches that you're saved or that you you achieve whatever the goal is by doing good things. In the Christian faith, we get salvation as a gift. It's for free. We get it by belief, by having faith in Christ. That's why it's good news, because it's it's very bad news that you have to earn your salvation, because we're all messed up. 
It's very good news that God says, I know you're messed up. That's why I sent my son to die in your place, to take care of it for you. 888-528-2557. Tanya in Pasadena, welcome to Southern California Live. Yes, hi, Scott. Hi, uh, Tanya. First, thank you for taking my call. But, you know, I was just thinking, um, you know, you have been, okay, so it's, I think it's the church's fault to a certain extent, but I also think it's our fault. You know, the church's fault, especially in the United States, have become so secular. That's number one. And they're preaching about a lot of them are preaching on the topics that people want to hear rather than what they need to hear. But also, I do believe when we come to Christ, we have to remember that it's a personal relationship, and we are supposed to study our Word. We're supposed to stay in our Word. That's how we grow. And, you know, the Bible says that we're going back to the days of Noah. And in 1 John 2.26, it says that the Holy Spirit, you know, he he will lead us into all truth and teach us the Word. And so that doesn't mean that you don't go to church, but, you know, I think we put 100% into the church. That's number one. And then number two is I think we go out and witness the people, and that's good, fine and dandy, but I think we have to also not just be um, a hearer but a doer. That means we have to actually live the Word. And you see a lot of people who are talking and, and, and telling people about Christ, but when they actually look into that person's life, it's just like, wow. Okay, it's just like they have double standards. And you see that with the Southern Baptist, what's going on right now and stuff. But I also think that people need to realize that, you know, God, Jesus says, beware of those that's coming to you in sheep clothing inside their raven wolves. Not everybody who says, Lord, Lord is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. But I think when you come to Christ, you actually have to take uh, the initiative to stay in your word. You can't, we're going to all stand before Christ as individuals, and give account of all we have done. So I don't think you can blame the church, but the church is really messed up because I do believe, you know, they're good at going out there and putting a seed in some instance, but you just can't, you know, just go and plant a seed. You have to nourish that seed. I think that that's the, uh, I think, Tanya, that's the idea here, that you have to nourish the seed, that we're called to make disciples, and that takes work. That's relational. That's that's people. Uh, would you say that that's right? Oh, we might have lost you, Tanya. Tanya, thank you for calling. I appreciate uh, your call on that. And she says nourish seed. I think that's a big piece of it. When you look at the, the American church numbers, did you know in, in 2019, 4,500 U.S. Protestant churches closed in 2019. Only 3,000 were planted. Um, that's probably the best number we have, 2020-21. Those numbers are messed up because of COVID. Um, that's significant, right? And you know, one of the things that happens a lot with uh, the church planning is that people get saved a lot in church plants, and it's because everybody there remembers, hey, we're here to make disciples, and we're here to minister to the neighborhood. We don't get comfortable. You're probably not comfortable. You sit in a lousy chair in some school auditorium or some movie theater or something. Um, now you get comfortable eventually, so don't let that go to your head. Eventually you become the established church. Discipleship matters. Relationships matter. And this is something that I think we need to get right and get past the fear that we have in just standing out there and saying, I'm a follower of Jesus and I invite you to follow me following Jesus. Uh, Sergio in Santa Monica, welcome to Southern California Live. Hello. Hi, Sergio. Uh, turn your radio down, oh, Sergio. Hi. Yeah, sure. Uh, Sergio in Santa Monica. 
Welcome to Southern California. How you doing, sir? Yeah, here. Uh, yeah. All right. Go ahead. All right, Sergio, we got your radio playing. Uh, hold on just a second. It's uh, okay. Uh, I'm hearing myself on the radio, which I don't get to hear. That's uh, that's amazing. So, uh, okay, go ahead. Hello. Hi. Go ahead, Sergio. Okay. All right. Uh, yes. Uh, my comment on this uh, getting people to uh, come back to religion is: first of all, we have to learn. We have to teach people how to pray. And uh, very few of the churches uh, t- uh, teach people how to pray. They'll get up there and they'll give their homily or their sermon or whatever it is, but they don't tell people how to communicate with God. And that's, I think, one of the reasons that people are falling away. Hmm. I think, that Sergio, thank, uh, thank you for your call, Sergio. I think you're right. That's another thing we don't teach. Can I encourage you this way is that in your church or in your life, learn how to pray and learn how to make disciples. Jesus teaches us how to pray, Matthew 6. There's a lot of examples of how to pray, and we need to be in prayer. Prayer is for real. But here's something that you need to do, and this will help you with making disciples. When you pray, it isn't just praying for your health or other people's health. You know, we have prayer meetings and A lot of it is praying for people who are sick or praying for people who have particular challenges. That's fine. But I think we need to pray a lot more for people's salvations. Do you ever list out the people that you know in your life who don't know Jesus and pray for them? I heard somebody say, I don't know where I got it, so I but I I don't think I made this up. Maybe I did. I heard this from somebody that, you know, we spend a lot of time sometimes in churches telling people to to tell their friends about Jesus. But it needs to begin with you telling Jesus about your friends. Do you ever pray about your friends, the people that you work with, the people that are in your relational world, the people that you interact with? See, that's where discipleship happens. It has to be relational, the people that you see. Do you go and say your prayers and say, God, I'm praying for this person who I work with. I'm praying for Joe. I'm praying for Barbara. I'm praying for Steve. They don't know you. God, bring them to you. Use me in their life to show them that Jesus loves them, that Jesus died for them. See, that's the prayer of the the faithful disciple-maker Christian, that, yeah, we pray for all of our needs. We're supposed to bring all of our prayers and petitions to the Lord. That's great, but we need to be praying for those people who don't know Jesus and praying that God would use us in their life, that we would make disciples. A lot more to say on that interesting topic, and we'll get to more of that later, but we are done for today. This is Southern California Live. We're on every day from 3 to 5 right here on KKLA 99.5, KPRZ, AM 1210, and FM 106.1 in San Diego. Go to kkla.com for the podcast. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll see you again tomorrow. God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.